this is a young team. We're on the cusp. Why right, we got to add some pieces to what we're doing here? Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41 yard line. What a run by Pierce! The type of players that we're looking for is players who are looking to swarm. Intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Picked off by Stingley. Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. Welcome. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, which has been relocated for one night only. I know I tweeted today that we're from inside the building, which we usually are 99% of the time. But every once in a while, we like to come over to the Sports Radio 610 studios and see our friends here. We just saw Clinton Ron and Tyler and Chris Santiago's producing. And we're here in this studio as we take our studio on the road for us, but it's home base for Sports Radio 610, so it's cool. And joining us on a Thursday night, our first Thursday night broadcast oh, of the 2023 season. It's been a while. Has been. But what do we do on Thursdays, Johnny? What do we do on we Thursdays? We have the general John McClain on with us. We do, and he's from spring training. He's on his trip. Oh, yeah, yeah right. he's on his trip to uh, Port St. Lucie, if I'm not mistaken. General, good evening. How's it going? I'm actually in West Palm Beach, but who's counting? It's still Southern Florida. Today was the first day of Astros spring training. It's amazing how many people I talk to about the Texans because people, as you guys know, are so pumped about D'Amico Ryans and some of the moves he's making with his coaches, and people are fired up about the draft and the second and the 12 picks and Nick Casario having money. Uh, We were talking about, when was the last time people were this fired up about the Astros? Somebody said after the 2019 season when they beat Buffalo and lost to Kansas City. Uh, I said no because they let they traded DeAndre Hopkins. There was a lot of negativity in that as the next season approached. So I said after the 2018 season when they were 11 and five, blew that wild card game to Andrew Luck and the Colts. And people were still pumped because it was Watson going into his second season and team was great and had a lot of star players. So even though I'm in West Palm Beach, people are talking about the Texans and the, and the Astros, and I think that's great. General, I've heard you on Sports Radio 610, but because, well, Mark and I have not had a chance to talk to you, let's just start at the top. D'Amico Ryan's name, the head coach. As you've had time to digest this all since uh, was it late January, late January, early February, we're a couple weeks in. Your thoughts about what D'Amico is, is, what he means to the organization, what he means to the city of Houston, what the coaching staff appears to be, and what that's rounding into, and your thoughts about that as well. Well, maybe one of these days we'll find out who the coaches are. You know, their philosophy is wait and announce them all at the same time, but they leak out. And uh, SportsRadio610.com's website about what the offense could look like under Bobby Slowick, considering his history with Mike and Kyle Shanahan. And uh, it's going to look a lot like Gary Kubiak's offense. And as I wrote, now they only need to find a Andre Johnson and Arian Foster and Owen Daniels and even a Matt Schaub. And, uh, and uh, to make this offense work the way it did under Gary. And I think it's exciting. Um, 
I think D'Amico, he hadn't said, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to call the defense. And based on what we saw from him in his only two seasons of calling defenses with the 49ers, you know, that's going to be outstanding. I still think that he needs help on game days. You see a lot of coaches first time hiring former head coaches who've been through the ringer guys like uh, when he was on the uh, staff as a consultant for David Cully. And uh, I think experience is important, maybe not as important as Frank Reich, who may be putting together one of the two or three oldest staffs that I've seen, but I think it's important. And I think this offense, you know, they got one running back. They're going to have to have more Kyle Shanahan, Bobby Slowick. And I, I have a column. I wrote a column on uh, gallerysports.com with Kyle Shanahan talking about Slowick. I interviewed Kyle right after D'Amico was hired about D'Amico. And I said, I think they're going to hire your passing game coordinator, Bobby Slowick. Can I get some quotes on him if they do? And he said, sure. So he is very, very high on slow. It could because, you know, he started off on defense like his dad, who was a coordinator for four teams. And uh, that was under Mike Shanahan with Kyle. And then when they all got fired, he went to pro football focus where he watched tape all day, every day for two years. Or And then uh, when Kyle got the head coaching job with the 49ers in 17, Slowick went and D'Amico went and Gerard Johnson went on the Bill Walsh Minority uh, Scholarship. And so you had all those guys. Now three of them are being reunited with the Texans. And I, and I don't think anything bad comes from hiring people from an organization that is successful, especially Kyle Shannon is, was a great coordinator with the Falcons and uh, then has been a great play caller with the 49ers. And I'd heard the last couple of years about Gerard Johnson being an up and comer. First time I heard that George Whitfield, the quarterback guru who is based in uh, San Diego. And I went out there and spent two days and a night with him when Johnny Manziel was training for the draft. And he came to Houston to do a camp, I guess it's about three years ago. And he had Gerard there. And I said, uh, what do you got Gerard Johnson? Is he a pupil? He said, nope, this guy's going to be a hell of a coach. You watch. And I started kind of keeping an ear open. And that's what people said. Now he's come back home to Houston and he's got to be fired up. And, of course, his his, uh, uh, biggest fan is a guy that's kind of like his father because his father died, and that'd be John Lopez. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Lopez coached him in AAU basketball. How about this? I'll tell you my quick Gerard Johnson story. Can I tell this? Yeah. So in 17, I think it was 17 or 18, I was calling the same Houston game, and uh, we're talking with the producer and all right, and said, you know, John, I think I was with Tom, Tom Franklin, who I usually do the games with, and they're like, all right, Gerard's on the sideline. I'm like, Gerard? Gerard who? Gerard Johnson. I'm like, like, the Gerard Johnson? Like, what the hell is he doing down on the sideline? So Gerard, after the game – we had about a good 10, 15-minute talk about what are you going to do. He was trying to decide, like, what he wanted to do sure. at that point, what what it was going to be. The next year I see him, he's with the Indianapolis Colts. He got he got a fellowship, one of the – Bill, I think it was a Bill Walsh fellowship, yeah. to be with the Colts, turn it into a quality control job, stayed there for a couple of years, moved the Vikings. Now he's coming back home as quarterback's coach. This is just a tremendous story. I'm so glad he's here. He's been on this He station. and John Lopez are so tight. John helped him interview agents. 
when he came out of A&M. Mm. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, he was at uh, John's daughter's wedding. I caught up with him there. He was with the Colts at the time, and obviously uh, this is good news. Now, Matt Burke, reportedly, defensive coordinator. General, you tell me what you're thinking here as how this is going to play out system-wise, what he brings to the table, places he's been combined with the D'Amico Ryans effect. A friend of mine who covers the Patriots texted me right before the season ended, and he said, one of my closest friends is the defensive line coach of the Cardinals, and he's putting together a surprise video for Watt. And he asked me for some people to do videos and someone who knew people who could do videos, and I gave him your name. So here's his number. So I've not met Matt Burke, but I've texted with him. And it was an honor to be included in his videos. And those videos were shown on the last episode of the in-season hard knocks in the defensive line. And White was crying like a baby, not because of mine, of course. They didn't even make that that list, but he was just bawling. And uh, Burke thought that much of him after he had him there. And so I guarantee you, Burke would get a big endorsement from J.J. And the fact that he wasn't a coordinator this year, he's been a coordinator. You know, he's buddies with Robert Sala. That's what makes me think D'Amico's going to call the defense. And uh, now they just got to get some players to go with them. That's where free agency and the draft come about. I'll be at the combine with you guys and at the league meetings with uh, – there's a lot of things I'm covering for uh, gallery sports did not go to the Super Bowl because I didn't want to cover the Super Bowl. And, uh, and you know, this is the most interesting time of the year because the Texans are in position to secure their franchise quarterback. And I thought it was interesting. Everybody said when the Colts announced Shane Steichen that Jim Mercy slipped when he talked about the little quarterback from Alabama. And I'm thinking, okay, was he slick enough to do that to throw the Texans off, or did it just kind of come out? Most people say, ah, it, he's not slick enough. It just came out accidentally. And I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I just think he was being honest. He just he put you put a microphone in front of Ursay's face. I think you're just going to get honesty. <laughs> honestly, I think you're going to get honesty, and I think you just was. Right. That's the one guy he knew about, and he's like, "Yeah, quarterback, you know, yeah, 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 the guy from Alabama." I mean, I think that's what it is. Just being. I honest. think you're right. Yeah, I don't know if he's being crafty. I think that's overthinking it. Yeah, he said what he said. Ursay being coy, but it's the guy who hired an ESPN analyst to be his head coach. General, since we're on the subject, let's just go there with the draft and the Colts picking fourth, and we all know the Bears have the number one pick, and they're very unlikely to pick a quarterback. Likelihood, and Johnny and I are going to play more likely to happen in the next segment, but likelihood of the Colts actually being able to move up, you know, if they want to and if they actually can, should they want to. Okay, the Bears are desperate for help. Desperate for help at the pass rush. So they have a choice of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr., whether you want to tackle or an edge rusher. Okay, they're thinking, all right, we could trade down to four and get one of them because the Colts come up and take a quarterback, either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Second one, Arizona's going to take Carter or Johnson, Anderson, and we'll take the one that's left. And I'm thinking, okay, what if Nick Casario traded down a little bit 
and a team traded up to get Carter Anderson, and then the Cardinals took Bears and the two best defensive players, maybe the two best players overall, are both gone. So the Bears stuck it to the Texans, and the Texans stuck it to the Bears. So the Bears might be better off just staying right where they are and don't try to get too slick because we don't know which quarterback Nicosario and D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson are going to like best. You know, they could like Will Levis. They could trade down because they think they could get Levis. They could say, well, you know what? We're going to trade down a couple of times and we're going to take Anthony Richards, Richardson and start in while Richardson develops. Now, fans would go crazy, of course, but, you know, they're trying to win the best, they, best way they know how. And I don't think we're going to know until the draft. And it's going to be so good for Texans Radio and Sports Radio 610 and Gallery Sports. Everybody that covers the Texans, there's going to be so much intrigue. And uh, you hope this is the last time they're going to be picking this high to have all this intrigue. And the other thing I think, everybody has them taking receiver with the 12th pick. I'm betting. That if they take a quarterback first, D'Amico's going to want a defensive player second because he is a defensive head coach. And at San Francisco, they had three number one picks in their defensive line and none at linebacker and in the secondary. And so they need a lot, of course, on this team, but they need another rusher and they need another interior guy. So I kind of think that the best defensive player available at 12 is coming to the Texans. And Johnny says Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is gone by then. So He's gone. There's no way he's there at 12. All right, no, so let me ask 12. I'll ask both of you guys this, because I love bringing up how we regard the draft right now and then what it turns out to be. For instance, going into the offseason in 2014, a lot of people thought Teddy Bridgewater is the number one pick in the draft, and it turned out to be not the case, went last pick in the first round. 2017. What were we thinking, collectively, media nation, thinking at this time of year? Oh, were I they thinking you. that Trubisky was first among the quarterbacks, then it was Mahomes and Watson? What no, was... Mahomes was a second-round pick. Uh, I make the All difference. The, the projections I... for him was a second round before he started working out for everybody. Then when he started working out, I liked him, but they didn't like him as much as Andy Reid, who traded three picks to come up and get him. I always love this discussion because I did a mock draft for the Washington Post in February. In February. Right. And the top three picks were, first, Miles Garrett to Cleveland Browns. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers take Deshaun Watson. And number three, the Chicago Bears take Patrick Mahomes. But that's you. And the editor you were thought a visionary. I was nuts. Yep. The editor thought I was visionary. crazy. He's like, are you sure? I was like, absolutely go with it. But that's you, Johnny. I'm yeah. talking about collectively. Mm-hmm. I use that word. Collectively. Okay. Yeah, collectively, people thought Mahomes was a wild card. But as it got closer, people were like, mm, wait a second. Well, what? But, but the, the, Trubisky went well before both those okay, other quarterbacks. Here, here's the thing, and John, John can speak to this too, because John's spoken with you know GMs and coaches over the years. You have to avoid doing this, but the Bears fell in love. They fell in love. They fell in love, and the GM at the time, Ryan Pace, fell in love with Mitch Trubisky. He loved the story about his 92 Dotson or whatever he had, and he just loved him. 
and they did whatever to go get him. So I applaud the Bears. They knew the guy they wanted, and they went and they got him and made sure that they got him. Great. It hasn't turned out, and it didn't turn out because they fell in love with that particular guy. And that's why, to me, sitting at number two, Nick Casario and the staff will not fall in love with one guy. Andy Reid fell in love, and so did Nick. And so did Rick Smith. They both fell in love. I remember because if you're trading to move up, you're in love. And I think, and I have no idea how Casario scouts have no clue. But I'll say this: I remember one thing Rick said, and I'm guessing Casario does this too. When he scouted the national championship game, he went way down by the field because he wanted to watch Watson in pregame warmups, not to watch his throws. He could see his throws his teammates and he said everybody gravitated to him and the way he treated them he loved it then when he came to Houston as one of the 30 one of the things that impressed him the most was when he was going through the line to get some food in the cafeteria there was some veterans who were there working out and when he was in the line they all got up and went to him because as Rick said he had street cred because they'd seen him lose the championship game to Alabama, come back, beat Alabama and do it with that late touchdown pass on Renfro. And, and, uh, and that was something that you're going to trade up. You got to know so much more about a player than how he throws. You know, one of the problems with Trubisky is he started only 16 games. That's why people are so impatient with Davis Mills. He only started 11 games in college, and then he was thrown to the wolves. And then last year was total waste because the worst offense I've seen this franchise have. And so now they're going to be coaching him a lot better. And so you don't know. Maybe in his third year he's going to be better. I know this. They're going to keep him on the team because they like everything about him, and he'll work with the new guy as much as you can to help him, even though he's taking his job. And uh, and they'll they'll know just about everything you can. But, you know, you know, you're right, John. They can't fall in love to a point where they overlook faults. You know, if you guys, if you fall in love with a woman or a woman falls in love with a guy and other people say, well, you know, this, 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 then he or she just ignores it because your heart's in another place and you can't let that be that way as a, as a scout who is a general manager. That leads me to my phenomenon known as the hot romance pick. Okay. Mm. Oh, so hot. (laughs) I'll overlook this and this. And I think it happens all the time in this league. It looks so good on paper. Look, you mentioned falling in love. Love's love has many facets and twists Mm -hmm. and turns. And we've seen it in the football sense. Personally, so there's that. General Derek Carr, where's he going? Tell me. He's going to have all kind of options. It was so smart of him not to be traded because he's going to make a whole lot more money than that forty million he was due. If I'm there's every team in the NFC South could use him, and anybody that gets him, it could be the Saints, could be favored to win that division, which is just awful. And every team there needs a quarterback. Could be Washington. Washington has a great defense, a really good running game. They're just lacking a quarterback. And those teams are not positioned to draft one of those top guys. So I think it's going to be Washington. The Jets seem to be in love with Aaron Rodgers. You know, Rodgers, when he comes out of his deep sleep, 
is supposed to decide if he wants to, if he's going to retire. He's going to make $58.3 million. No way he's going to retire. Is he going to ask for a trade? Who's going to give two number ones? He's 39. He's got that monster contract, but the fans and the media are trying to force the Jets to trade for him. So let's pencil him there. So if I'm Derek Carr, you know, I don't want to work for Daniel Snyder, but it looks like the commanders are about to be sold. They gave Josh Harris, one of the owners who was interested in the Broncos, let him come through the facility and everything. And so that would be, boy, if you were, if you were playing, if you were the new quarterback for the commanders and Snyder sells that team, they're going to be dancing in the streets and people are going to be so happy. And that might be a really good place to go. General just saw this tweet. Actually, it was an hour ago. Matt Mayoko uh, who covers the 49ers for NBC sports tweeted. The 49ers are hiring Clint Kubiak. Kubiak. Why do I have such a hard time with that name? Clint Kubiak to re- replace offensive passing game coordinator, Bobby Slowick. As Tom Pelissero reported, his brother Clay is San Francisco's assistant quarterbacks coach. So, keeping it on the coaches, we had five teams that replaced coaches. Take D'Amico, Ryan's, and Texans out. The other four, what was the best hire and what was the most kind of head-shaking, boy, I didn't see that coming higher? Well, first of all, the Texans wanted Clint Kubiak, and, and I reported, jumped the gun last week, that they were in the process of hiring him. And so then I found out they were not. So I tweeted, I'm an idiot and uh, apologized. And because he had other options, Kyle Shanahan stuck it to the Texans because they're stealing all his people. And uh, although he knew he was going to lose them, the Texans would love to be in that situation where people wanted their coaches every year because that means they would be winning. And I was asked by Sean Pendergast on our Utopia podcast, if I thought uh, D'Amico was the best hire, no, Sean Payton's the best hire. Sean Payton's won a Super Bowl, best hire of all the others. And, uh, you know, I the, the Texans interviewed some big-time prospects. Jonathan Gannon goes to Arizona. Shane Steichen goes to uh, the Colts. Now, Carolina hired Frank Reich. There's no buzz about Frank Reich because he was fired. But people forget you know, Frank, if Andrew Luck hadn't retired, I'm guessing Frank Reich would be working on a big extension that he signed a couple of years ago. And so I don't see any of these hires as being bad or even questionable. But anytime you hire a guy who's never been a head coach, you never know for sure until you see him. But every coach has been in this situation, the same as D'Amico Ryan's, a first-timer. General, who's your favorite quarterback in the draft? I'm allowing you to pick for X franchise. We won't even name the franchise. One of these quarterbacks. Who do you like? Well, I like Bryce Young. I watched uh, as many games from Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud as I could. C.J. Stroud had great receivers both years. Bryce Young did not have great receivers this year. And so he still was tremendous. The only question about him is, it's not about throwing the ball. And it's not about taking a big hit. It's about withstanding an 18-game season, an 18-week season, 17 games, and at some point, two, three, four more games. And can he withstand it? Now, I've, I read somewhere he's working with a nutritionist, try to get up 210 by the combine. If he's a legitimate 5'11 and 210, 
people are going to love it. Remember, it was that way with Kyler Murray, and he ate, and he ate, and he ate, and he got up to 207, and he was barely more five nine and a half, and uh, but he had a great arm and incredible quickness. And Bryce Young has a good arm, and he's a good runner and a smart runner, but he has every single thing you want in a quarterback other than ideal size. But size doesn't matter quarterback as much as it used to. And I'm partial to him because I've done a talk show a lot in uh, Tuscaloosa for years with a guy who covered the Crimson Tide for decades. And he said, Bryce Young is the single most impressive player I have ever seen on this team. And he goes way back before Nick Saban. When he's standing up at the podium or he's in his in the locker room, absolute best. And I think, man, watching him on the field, eyes in the back of his head, the anticipation pocket, awareness, the throws, the way he runs. I'd love to see him as the face of the Texans franchise. But they may like C.J. Stroud. I got no problem with him. You watch that last game against Georgia, and everybody think he's as good a prospect as ever came out because he was magnificent. All right, General. Uh, one quick one. Yay or nay on the baseball rule changes? Pitch clock, bigger bases, end of shift. You in or are you out? You got to take them all or not take them at all? I'm in because I want some of the things I don't like right now in spring training, they're experimenting with the pitcher calling all calling the pitches, not the catcher. They're not going to do it in regular season now, but they could. And I don't like only stepping off the mound once and throwing over. You got two moves. Well, you can't use the second one because if you do, the guy's going to take a monster jump and steal the base. And the idea with bigger bases to protect, they think, with injury, but also some of those bang bang plays it might help them steal a base, but uh, the the pitch clock, which is going to affect the hitters like Altuve and Tucker, who are take a hitter's box and go through the same agonizing routine after mm-hmm. every pitch, they're going to have to speed it up. And I love taking away the shift because it will help Alvarez and Tucker and Brantley, all those guys that pull the ball to the right side of the infield. All right, General. Thanks a lot for the time. As always, we'll catch up next week. Great to hear from you guys again. Thank you very much. All right. John McClain in South Florida covering spring training for the Astros. GalleriesSports.com, SportsRadio610.com. Johnny and I play more likely to happen next. We'll also give away another $100 HEB gift card. Why not? It's Texans Radio. Texans Radio is back. Kashada. I just like saying that. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you live from the Sports Radio 610 studios where we have Kishata. moved the Hyundai Texans radio studio today. Kashada. We should get some giveaways from them. But I'm going to give away a $100 HEB gift card right now. And you have to respond on Twitter. No contest line here. Boy, the thing just lights up if you just mention giving away yeah. something. But no contest it's probably line. probably lighting up already. I don't have rules on file here with Odyssey. So we're going to do it on Twitter. <laughs> On Twitter, so reply to the tweet at Texans Voice that promoted tonight's show, mm-hmm. all right? And, well, I think I retweeted the Sports Radio 610 tweet, so I'll take either one. But here's the question tonight, because we've been giving these away all week long. Where did Johnny Harris play college football? Oh, wow. Where did he play college football? One word will do, and I'm not going to give any other hints. No, it's, okay? that was kind of a and hint. You're good. Yeah. And you're good. It wasn't really much of a hint, but... Get it right like first it. on Twitter in the replies to my tweet that promotes tonight's show. 
and we'll go ahead and give you a one hundred dollar H E B gift card. By the way, our our uh, our buddy Rick was listening yesterday. He just happened to be listening. Yep. Just tweeted, and then he got your uh, he got your DM today saying that he wanted a gift card. He was he loved it. Oh yeah, he appreciated it. Oh yeah, very it nice, really cool. very nice. Yeah, 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 yeah cool. sent that giving out. out so. the, uh, giving out the H E B gift card, man. It's, yeah, it's cool stuff. It is great. Uh, stuff. All right, so let's get to a game we like to play sometimes during the off season and during the season as well. We call it more likely to happen. More likely to happen. Johnny, more likely to happen. Texans trade up or trade down from either pick, 2 or 12 in the first round. Either pick in the first round. Trade up or trade down, 2 or 12, go. Trade down. More likely to trade down than trade up. So even, let's say they they pick somebody at 2, a quarterback, whatever they pick at 2, right? Jalen Carter, whoever, whoever it is. I think 12 is trading down. Okay, then 12, we get to 12. Mm-hmm. But you thought maybe, eh, maybe somebody's there at 7 or 8 that they like, and maybe they can move up at that point, package yeah. the first pick in the second round with 12, and they move up, or I don't know what else it takes. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying here. I've been playing around with that with the different mock draft simulators out there. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, what would it cost to go up? It's pretty significant. Now, of course, you're you know, you're dealing with you know various things that won't happen in real life. Yeah. But it would – I was playing around with, okay, could you get from 12 to 5? Let's just say you could get to 5. That's so you a could big get jump. a quarterback and maybe Jalen Carter Ooh. or Will Anderson. Could you do that? And, boy, it's, it's significant. It is significant. The best I was able to do was I traded with Seattle at 5. I went up. I gave them 12. And 73, which is Cleveland's third-round pick that we have. Those okay. two, and I think a third next year. That I don't got think that's, me. That's not enough. I, it, they took it. They, they took, took it, it. So I jumped all in over the, it. In the simulator, they took it. And I got Jalen Carter at five. Pete Carroll has entered the chat. And <laughs> right. he doesn't like this deal. I just think trade down is the thing. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned we mentioned we were talking with the general. And you you said it, Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from out of Texas Tech, defensive lineman because he can move all over the place. He's probably gone by then. Keon White is a guy that I put in my mock at number 12. I think he could be there. And uh, Miles Murphy, the defensive end from Clemson. Those are all guys, and I mentioned those guys are on the edge. But they've got – they're all big. They're all 275 or larger. Yeah. So you can move them inside and do some different things. One of those guys could be available close to you at 12, so you might move up a couple spots to make sure you grabbed one of those because even though it's an edge player draft, it's a pretty it's a pretty deep edge player draft, I think getting one of those guys, kind of a top-notch edge guy, would be, I think, I think it would be a great thing. So I think if you did trade up, I think it might be 12 to get up a little bit so that you could end up getting one of those one of those edge rushers. Okay, potentially. a listener, Chill Cuts Deep on Twitter said, "If Witherspoon is still there at twelve, ooh, child, with a what? gif, no. yeah, Devin Witherspoon, no. isn't he a mid first round guy? Yeah, he's a mid first round guy, Matt. What? No, but you're not going to take him right there. We have we have bigger needs at corner. Yeah, you. Well, look, we talked I, about this last I just night, put, right? I just put a scouting report out on Devin Witherspoon, and he's a holding penalty waiting to happen. Ooh, what? Too handsy? Yeah, yeah." Mm. Like absolutely okay. Like yeah. can he improve I mean, in that? He's a me too corner. A lot of man. people had that. that. A lot of people thought Sauce was that coming out. Well, here's the difference. I, I wrote about this in the scouting report. Here's the difference, though. Sauce started making adjustments to the end of his Cincinnati career. By the time oh. that Sauce got to the the playoff game, he looked like a different guy. Okay, not totally. 
he still had that in him, but he he was he played that game against Alabama against Alabama's receiver Jameson Williams was playing that game. Mechie had already been hurt, but he played Jameson really well, and he was not every. I, in fact, I just finished up my Witherspoon report today. I was watching a game against Wisconsin. I've seen three others. He is a real, and you're going to see the highlights of him. He knocks people out. I mean, it's fine. He's six foot one eighty. I'm telling you, the corners in this draft. I read them to you the other day. Yeah, last night. Six two, and bigger. Yeah. So well, this one, one is smaller. on the smaller side. Yeah. He's yeah. on the smaller side as it pertains to this class of corners. What was Kevin I Johnson's size listing coming out? Five eleven, one eighty. Dang. Think. Yeah, 5'11", 180. We all know he had trouble was. staying healthy. He did. Um, he might have been at six foot, but it was. That's a. It's a great. It's not. It's a great comp, and it, it is and isn't. I think Witherspoon. Listen, I'm not going to denigrate. You can see it at footballtaker.com. My scouting full scouting report on Witherspoon. I think he has, in a press man system, he would fit pretty well because he is a tremendous. He, but you play off coverage. You play. It's a it's a penalty waiting to happen. I don't want anything to do with Witherspoon in in at twelve. No, we we've got to get better on the edges. Okay, that's uh, much more of a need. Let now nah, let's get to the next one here. More likely to happen. All right, we'll get back to the draft in a second. Let's go free agency here. More likely destination for Derek Carr to end up at Carolina, the Saints, or the field. So I'll lump in Ooh. Carolina and the Saints in Together. one group, okay, and then the field in another group. Where's Derek Carr going? Pick one. Who man? I mean, the field would seem obvious, but I think I think him coming back from his meeting with the Saints, and he said, "I'm not taking a trade." I think that to me, I took that as I think he wants to go to the Saints. But he didn't want the Saints to have to give up anything for him. Like, that's going to hurt the Saints if he ends up going to the Saints. I came back from that. I came out of that thinking, I think he wants to go to the Saints. So it would seem logical, Saints, yes. But I'm going to go with the field. There's just too many teams that need quarterback that I think think there's going to be a surprise in there somewhere. You know who needs a quarterback? The Raiders. Oh, wait a minute. That's not going to work. No. Tennessee Titans might need a quarterback. Don't start. They've got to financially figure that out, as do the Saints. The Saints have got to figure it out. The Saints have been steady over the cap for a couple of years. Could you see the Titans watching tape and saying, you know what? It's not that much different in a different kind of way than Ryan Tannehill. I, agreed. I think yeah. Carr's better than Tannehill, but it's not that to Is where it, I've got to make these you know, moves. But they got to figure out what to do with Tannehill. Yeah, they do. they got to figure it out. Well, while we're on the subject. I'm taking the field. More the, likely to happen. Yeah, let's get to this one. More likely to have a better season, the Raiders or the Broncos? Because the Raiders, we don't even know what they're going to do. Like, everyone talks about Carr. But what are the Raiders going to do at quarterback? Tom Brady's retired. Oh, he's going to go play for Josh McDaniels. I guess that's still a possibility, but a slim one at You know who wants to play for the Raiders? Uh Uh-oh. Loves Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Raiders. C.J. Stroud. Oh, my gosh. Stroud loves Devontae. He wants to play with Devontae. Like, that's where he wants to go. He wants to go to the Raiders. Yeah, he wants to go to the Raiders. Now, the Raiders are going to have to make some moves, I would think. They're going to have to They're move up. Seven. They got to they move up a little bit. But, you know, listen, Dak Prescott wanted to come play for the Texans. That was his favorite. No, no, it was the Cowboys. And he ended up with the Cowboys. But he told me he wanted to be with the Texans. Things change, and things change rather quickly once you get drafted in a particular spot. Okay, so. well, since we're on 
quarterbacks, draftable ones now. Let's get to the final one. More likely to happen. More likely to have the better career. We'll go quarterbacks three and four in the projections of this year's draft from where we sit now on February 16th. More likely to have the better career. Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. Who's going to have a better career, Johnny? Anthony Richardson. Ooh. Okay. You thought I was going to say Levis, didn't you? No, it's a little bit of a surprise because Levis, it's not like he's a finished product at all, but a lot of people think that he could jump in and maybe crash the party that the party of two that currently exists between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. There's some people that think Levis is on the same level of Young and Stroud, and I'm like, I'm sorry, Ray Charles, but that ain't right. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many games of Levis I've watched. And I walk out of there going, really? I watch Richardson, and here's the thing, and this is the scary thing with Richardson. If you watch the wrong game, you'll be like, I'm not touching that guy. You watch the right game, and you're like, yo, why is he not in the top three discussion here? Why is he not up here? His ceiling. Now, Richardson started for one year. Levis started for two years with an NFL coordinator both years. Liam Cohen one year Ooh. and Rich Gangarello the other year. And Levis still was, to me, underachiever. Anthony Richardson was with a first-year coordinator, first-year head coach at Florida in an absolute mess. And I'm telling you, if you watch the Tennessee game or you watch the Florida State game, you're going to see some throws and you're like, yo, let's make that happen. You turn on the Kentucky game, you might be like, why are we even talking about this? That's the problem with Richardson. It's just all, oh, do you want the 450-foot home run with three strikeouts uh, one game? Or do you want 4Ks the next? Or do you want two 500-footers the next? Because that's what you get with him. Some of the prettiest throws I've seen in this draft class are from Anthony Richardson. And he can run. He's exciting. He will put butts in seats. But he is going to airmail a wide-open wide receiver a decent majority of the time. I mean, it's just, it's frustrating. Levis never got to a point where you're like, that's the guy. Well, he's got all these different – okay, well, then why was he 19 and 10 this year with two years of having NFL coordinators and Liam Cohen and Rich Gangarello next to him and running an offense like that? So, I mean, he had talent. Mm. He had talent. I broke down every throw from two games. You can see that on my website as well. Against Mississippi State against Georgia, both of them. And I walked out of there going, same thing. Man, there's some really nice throws here. And then there are dirt daubers. Like, what? what like, what is that? He's seven yards away from you. He's wide open, and you threw it three yards to the, the left. The question's always going to be, can he clean it up? Can he improve? Yeah. You know, everybody's got to Josh improve. Allen did it, and that's the problem. Josh Allen did it, and he's the outlier. But because he did it so recently, everybody, mm. well, Josh Allen did it. Well, name another one. Well, that's that's the thing. Name another. Once you get one guy doing something, everyone thinks it's doable for all. Right. And it might not be, but right. it might be for him. For Who how knows? long did we say Drew Brees, short quarterbacks, Drew Brees? Now we got a few more you can throw in the mix. Um, so Bryce Young isn't kind of fighting that because there have been a few more shorter guys that have done some yeah. things. But for a long time, you know, Jeff Tedford quarterbacks, and then Aaron Rodgers came along. You blew that up. So you got to have some sort of narrative that kind of blows it out of the water. But And Bryce Young is a lot taller than Mina Kimes. She was wearing four-inch heels, according to her. Okay, let's get to this next. <laughs> Should Sirianni have gone for it on fourth and three relatively late? That's up for debate. PFT has this article on, and I want to get to this. And also, rule change that I wanted to talk to McLean about. We didn't get a chance to do that. 
should there be a rule change on the assisting the quarterback or whoever who needs extra yardage with a pile of players behind him? Is this, I don't want to say fair, is it safe? Let's talk about it. It's Texans Radio. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, which is in the Sports Radio 610 studios tonight. High above Greenway Plaza. So a few years ago, they moved the studio across the hall. And we used to have the studio that overlooked 59, Johnny. How did you get a show done? Uh, It was awesome, though. I would have been staring outside the entire time. But you could see the traffic, and those are the listeners. You know, a car is just a radio with four wheels. Yeah. And people driving know what I'm saying right now. You know? So you felt like you were talking right down it's, to them. It's awesome. Not talking yeah. down to no, them. No, but no, no. Like but you're, you directional. see them. Yeah. And, you know, this is a little radio secret for radio people. Traffic is kind of a beautiful thing because you're stuck there listening. But, and I know you have options, but we appreciate you listening. Anyway, I don't know why they moved this across the hall. I know there was a reason for it, and I can't remember what it was. But, man. Just not the same. Poor Chris Santiago over there doesn't get to enjoy the view. He's got to look at us. My gosh. Anyway, Johnny, uh, fourth and three. So here it is. You're at the Eagles 32. You're the Eagles. You're at your own 32-yard line. You're down a point. And 10-33 left of the fourth quarter. And that's when Tony returns at 65 yards. And they score a touchdown two plays later. The analytics, according to Florio, and he cited this one Twitter account, the analytics say to go for it there. Come on. No, they don't. You're on your 32 and you're down a point. I'm not not going for it right there. Look, if you can't – I agree. It's horrible to go three and out right there, and I've said that. But guess what? Special teams play. You blew that. You didn't – you know, you moved the the ball seven yards on three downs, and then you blow a special teams play. You're telling me going for it on fourth and three, you you predict success? Let's say you don't make it right there. They score a touchdown anyway. Well, Mark, then you know what you have to deal with? the They they tied the game anyway. At least it gives you one play to possibly get that first down. Yeah, and then what? You're going to get another first down? No, not necessarily. You can't presume that. It's not like going for a touchdown. I say they did the right thing. They just screwed it up. They had a horrible special teams moment. Yep. And obviously the rest of the game played Special the way teams did. make the plays. If the Texans special teams were out there, they would have made the play. And now you now you make now you make Mahomes have to drive again. And and they did. Look, the, the Chiefs were, were phenomenal in the second half offensively. If there's anything, and this is the one thing, and I don't know that the analytics would tell you this. Mm-hmm. Mahomes and the Chiefs were hot. This is the only way I would have thought, you know what, we're not going to beat them if we give the ball back to them in any way, shape, or form. I can actually understand that philosophy. They're that hot. I don't want to give them the ball back. But Sirianni said today, 32 of 32 head coaches would have punted that ball, and he's right. 32 of 32 head coaches would have punted that ball. Absolutely. How about this? You said it. They're hot, right? Okay, I'm down a point. I punt it to them. If they drive the length of the field, it, it's 10.33 left. This isn't the five minutes to go scenario, right? right? right. 10.33 left. All right, here they come. They're going to get a touchdown, but at least I'll have time on the clock, and I'm down a touch and a two. Right. That's it. Right. I'm not down. Now, if the Chiefs go for two right there, that becomes interesting. You know, then you're down uh, three scores. Right. But Two I, scores. No, but oh, oh, look, you're already down a point. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the Texans versus the Titans scenario in 2020. You're down two scores. 
Yeah, you'd be. Oh, I'm sorry. You're down two scores. Yeah, yeah. Did I say I three? Sorry. Yeah. But you know what I meant. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. And, and, and that's, I don't know where the analytics come out on you're facing a hot team. You really can't give them the football back. That's the only way I would have seen it. But I'm pun- listen, I've told you this a million times. My whole rationale way back when, and I taught at, at Episcopal High School in Jacksonville, I always said, God gave me four downs. I'm going to use them. I'm punting the ball there. Yeah. I punt the ball there. Mm-hmm. Every single time and twice on Sunday because I'm going to trust my special teams. My defense is going to hopefully get a stop. I'm punting the ball at that particular moment. Do I love it? Hell no. Not considering the way that I've been able to move the ball that yeah. uh, during the night, but I got to do it. That is one in which I have to. I have to punt that thing. All right, that's it for the show. We'll get to the uh, the old helping out the quarterback during the quarterback sneak, and sometimes the running back when he gets stacked up with extra players pushing behind him. Rule that should be changed, or it's not really a rule. You're not allowed to pull the guy. You're not allowed to aid him from in front, but from the other direction, and there's nothing in the rule book. Will that change? We'll talk about it tomorrow with Andre Ware, who will be on the show. Looking forward to having Dre on tomorrow. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Best of coming up tonight. Have a great evening. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.